0: And it was for a jewelry store It says, eat them <laughs> drooling Does anybody like Pick up um, On the problem with this Women are, dogs. Women are dogs Oh my gosh Like all they care about is like The ring is a treat And they're drooling to get a freaking ring I don't know I just had to show it to you Maybe it's nothing but I, I was just driving and all of a sudden I'm like No way You know, I like leaned out and I'm like, (laughs) like, BAM! I'm like, Shut up! It's for class! Uh Anyway, okay. So that was that. Now I gotta sign out so you don't get my email. Check this out. This is really cool. Maybe. Wait, keep bigger. Rosary Novena is nine rosaries. Let's just take a a moment to enjoy that. Mm. All right, oh, so the three, uh, <laughs> apparently I never gave you the three steps <laughs> to the rises. <laughs> as they do. Okay, or the three, uh, yeah, the three steps back. So I, I'm missing a page, um, so I'm going to make them up. <laughs> <laughs> the, fr- <laughs> the first one, I would say, is... <laughs> um, Yeah but that wouldn't be the first one. The first step is it's kind of by like natural causes. It, the first step is the intervention of the Lord. <clears throat> I write these down for the test. <laughs> you know so John says, that you know, God first loved us, so, so God is going to make the first movement in your life, and he's making movements in your life all the time, it's just will you respond to them, will you pay attention to them right, and Peter, boom immediately responds, okay then, it is realized uh, the third one is repentance <laughs> I know that oh, I know what two is Two is confession of sin. And third is repentance. What do you think of that? I like it. I just made it up. All right, so St. Joseph. This is where we're going to, you know, I just want to, first of all, I just want you to think a little bit about St. Joseph. And, and again, you know, I think the book might probably did a really good job of getting yes. us to think differently about him. You know, he's so quiet. You know, and I think it's in that that silence is, is the power of Joseph. Um, and, you know, if you look at men in the modern day and age, it's all, it's all talk. Like everybody's whatever. And, you know, I mean, so it's not like just this, this simple like, I don't know, Joseph showed his masculinity by what he did, not by what he said. You know, men in the modern day and age, me included, we say a lot, but do we really do anything? You know, he did it. But, you know, I just want you to think about his life. I kind of, it's got to be kind of, it's it's amusing, you know, if you think of Joseph. So so Joseph, he starts out, he's like, I'm living for the Lord. I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm a just man. I take pride in my work. I'm praying for a good girl. Like, I want to get married. I want to have a family. And God, like, I just trust that you're going to give me that, okay? So all of a sudden, he gets, you know, he gets engaged. He finds this wonderful girl, married. She must have been stunning. And I don't know how, like, physically attractive she would have been. But I, you know, I, like, I, I, I don't know what she looked like. But I know that there would have been something about her that would have been, like, so attractive. There's just some women that are just, they have a beauty about it. They carry themselves with a confidence. They're classy. They're, they, they're, they're not needy. They know who they are. They love the Lord. And they're just, they're freaking beautiful. And I think that's what Mary was like. So I'm just talking about that. That's kind of my view of it. And then Joseph's like, sweet. Like, I got this awesome, like, I got the best girl in Nazareth. You know, like he, like, this is what I was praying for. You know, and all of a sudden, Mary's like, Joseph, we need to talk. And he's like, oh, yeah, anything. What do you want to talk about? This is great. Like, I'm loving life. And she's like, well, I'm pregnant. Now, I mean, like, imagine how shattering this would have been to him. Right? And just right at the beginning. Like, she's supposed to be one of the best girls in Nazareth. Like, everybody knows Mary is a good, good woman. And she's pregnant, you know. And then all of a sudden she's like, "Oh, but don't worry, it's by the Holy Spirit." <laughs> now I'm not Joseph. This is where he does a much better job. And I like I like to pray and kind of put myself in the positions of all these people. Now I'm like if I'm Joseph, I'm like, "Oh, okay, okay. Then it's okay. so the Holy Spirit. That's okay. If it's another guy, it's a problem." But you know, like. He, he accepts it, and then but but there is this you know, and he says, now this is, this guy's much holier than I am because I'm thinking about like you know like she cheated on me, and you know I'm 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 trying to be a good man, so I'm not gonna expose her because if you expose her, what happens? Sorry. She dies. Yeah. <clears throat> so I mean I'm not I don't want her to die. You know I'm a little pissed at her, but I don't want her to be dead. So I'm just gonna it's gonna be quiet and then so then he has this dream. And in this dream, God says, Oh, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. She can see by the Holy Spirit. That's like the real deal. And he's like, You know, and again, if it's me, like, I wake up and be like, Okay. You know, like, I mean, who would do that? I've had a ton of dreams. And, you know, a lot of voices tell me to do things in And I'm like, I did them, I don't know what would happen to me. But somehow, Joseph just knows the voice of God. He hears it, and he obeys it. He's like, Okay. So he takes her into his house. So all of his dreams now of like having this family and, and this beautiful, the union with his wife, they're gone. And that's okay. You know, and there's, by the way, I, I used to teach this and, and I, am, I am now incredibly against it. There's two, there's two versions of Joseph's life. One is he was a young man, a carpenter, fell in love with Mary. They got married and, you know, she was like 15. He was probably like 18. And he lived out his life or whatever and died, died fairly young. The other, the other tradition says that Joseph was actually a widower. That he had lost his wife and he was an older man. And then he was chosen to be the guardian of Mary. And I used to side with that more. And, I, and the reason I side with that more is because it would have been easier on an older man. You know, with the whole sexual aspect. <clears throat> but what that does is it takes away from the, the, the grandeur of Joseph. You know, think about an 18-year-old kid who's trying to be faithful to his wife and knows he's never going to have sex with her but knows how to love. Who's better, that guy or the, you know, the 70-year-old guy that you know, is impotent? Who has more merit? Well, jo- young Joseph does. So I, I've gotten rid of the other one altogether. Joseph was a young man, and he was that damn good. He was just a good man. <laughs> okay? So he has this dream, and he's like, okay, you know, so I'm going to take her. So this is God, God's kid. My wife, she's chosen. She's the mother. That's pretty, I'm pretty cool to be part of it. You know, I'm pretty excited about that. A little weird. Still a little struggle. Again, this is me, not Joseph. <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, Mary's going to have her kid. We got go to, to go to Bethlehem. Because for some reason, a, sen- a, sen- a census had to be called. You know, like in my prayer, I'd be like, really, Lord? Couldn't have delayed the census, I don't know, 10 days. But this is what's incredible, too. God the Father moved. All of the known world just to get Mary to Bethlehem he decree had put on the heart of Caesar Augustus to decree a, a census which means everybody has to return to their home their their place of birth to be counted that was the only way that you could get Jesus to be born in Bethlehem where the prophet said he needed to be born even though everybody says he's from Nazareth he was born in Bethlehem so God moves heaven and earth to get in there and Joseph is just like yeah okay i to go to Bethlehem. He like, gets to Bethlehem, and he's like walking around, and here's me again. If I'm like, okay, really, Lord? Because it's your kid, and we were hoping for a hotel. I don't think that's too much to ask. If it's your kid, and I'm supposed to watch over him, can we get a hotel? No room. Okay, can you get us somewhere? Oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> like this. Great. There's, there's cow shit everywhere, and it stinks, and... This is, okay, so this is God. God doesn't want to be born in a palace. He wants to be born in a stable. Okay, all right, I'm still in. Right? But Joseph just, Joseph's just with it. He just goes with it. And then after the birth of the kid, and again, this is me, not Joseph. <laughs> Joseph doesn't even feel worthy to be there. I would be like, oh man, this, there's going to be some crazy stuff that happens here because this is <laughs> God's kid, you know? Like, he might just appear out of the womb, you know? There's no, but, you know, but, it's just a, no, it's a normal birth for all we know. Nobody really knows. And you know, like if I'm holding the kid against Joseph, like I said earlier, it's like, this is the bridge between the Old Testament and Jesus, the fulfillment of the patriarchs, the prophets. I'd be like, doesn't he friggin' dance or something? <laughs> you know, this is supposed to be God. And no, I'm serious. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm just telling you my weak-minded, pathetic faith. But I would have been like, seriously, does he talk? Can he sing? Float? He can just float, that'd be enough, but nothing. He's just human in every way like we are. And then all of a sudden, you know, like, and then the one time where I, I think I, you know, where the the king, the wise men come, right, and they bring gifts, and I'd be like, (laughs) now, now we're talking. This is what I expected, (laughs) gold, frankincense, because I'm an idiot, right? Joseph is just like kind of detached from the whole thing. And then, and then Joseph has this dream. And they're like, you gotta get or you gotta get out of here. Like now. And be like, okay, where should I go? Egypt. <laughs> Can I little <we go> closer? <laughs> Egypt's a long ways away. It's a desert. It's a newborn. It's my wife just had a kid. She's 15. No, Egypt. Joseph just takes him to Egypt. And then you get to Egypt. You know, what, five, six years? Gets his business set up, provide, got a home, sits down in his chair, nods off for a rest. God, yeah, Um, Joseph, I need you to go back to Nazareth. (laughs) You know, I mean, I would like be afraid to go to bed. Who knows what God's going to ask of you? (laughs) You ever see, that's another one with Bill Cosby, when he does uh, Noah. It's really, really funny. You should go watch it. He's like, you know, he's like, he's like, Noah. And, you know, Noah's like, what? And he's like, I need you to build me an ark. And he's like right (laughs) he's like keeps working you know and like it's this long thing it just shows up you know Noah had to do something crazy God was asking him to do something crazy everybody was just going to be like you're an idiot the same with Joseph man but God does that a lot to guys he does it to Moses right Moses kills the Egyptian flees into the desert God says you the burning bush he's like you got to go back and talk to Pharaoh Moses is like you flipping insane he wants to kill me He's like, don't worry, I'll be with you. Oh, okay. No, I mean, seriously, like these poor guys. Abraham. Think about freaking Abraham. God comes to Abraham. Abraham, yeah, what's up? I want you to sacrifice your son. Is this a joke? Because you just said I was going to have, like, descendants as numerous as the stars. And the only way that happens is with this kid and now you're asking me to sacrifice. But he doesn't. I mean, there's just crazy. Think about it. it's Joseph, you know, from the Old Testament. What happens to Joseph? Remember, what, did you read about him? Right? He gets sold into slavery. All this stuff. First they're going to kill him. And then they sell him into slavery. Then he goes and, you know, and he interprets a dream. You know? And then he, and then he, 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 he's in charge of all of Pharaoh's kingdom. like, It's just these these stories are insane. But they all have one thing in common. They call a man to give to the point of absurdity. And then the ultimate one of all men, the man of all men, is Christ. And he no longer says, it's it's not about you just sacrificing. It's about giving your life. Period. That's the new good news of the Gospels and of Christianity. That the way to live is to die. So Joseph goes through all of this stuff, right? And then, as I said earlier, he, so he brings him all the way back to Nazareth. Then they lose him in the temple. He loses God. That must have been crazy. And then he finds him, and Joseph's like, did you, or Mary's like, "Do you not know that you and your, me and your father were going to be We're terribly worried? He's like, you're not my dad. After Joseph does all of this for him, you're not my dad. I got to think, though, last little part. You know, could <laughs> you imagine if Joseph gets home and he's like, He's like, who broke the chair? Jesus is like, I didn't. Or he's like, I didn't. He's like, damn. <laughs> well, they can't lie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess, damn it, that's right. I did it last night. You know, you know Joseph, he's, he's the only one. But they say, you know, tradition holds that Joseph never committed a mortal sin. Never committed a mortal sin. But you've got to think at the end of his life, and he's laying on his deathbed, he's got the queen of heaven and earth on his right, and he's got the son of God on his left. That must have been cool. You anyway, know, what did Jesus say? Like, I'll see you on the other side. You know, well done, my good and faithful servant. Go rest in peace. You know, he just gives and gives and gives to, like, the point of absurdity. Okay? So, St. Joseph, I just want you to put down, is the model of masculinity. And his masculinity can be seen, I think, uh, Under it can be summarized in four titles: fatherhood, chaste lover, obedient servant, and strong leader. Fatherhood, chaste lover, obedient servant, and strongly. There are two ma- number one is fatherhood. There are two major elements, I think, to fatherhood. One, protector. We'll do we'll just do them so you can have your notes properly. So the first one is protector. What you put under that? Spiritual and material. The man is called to be the protector of the family, of his wife, of women children he is to protect them spiritually and materially okay so how did he do this i again when when i say how do you protect them materially how does a father protect his kids his wife how does he protect them materially The house, yeah i mean sure i mean that would be just more of a provider right how do you protect them in a material sense Ladies, you can answer too, you know. I'm talking about giving his life for them. No, I'm like I'm I'm talking about how does he protect his family, his wife, his kids in the material world. Like protect them from temptations? No, that would be spiritual. But like material? The material dangers of the world. Good. Like what? Like they would be like porn. Good. So how does a father protect his kids from porn? He monitors what they, what they watch. Maybe he locks out the internet on their phones. Maybe he puts a filter on the computer. Maybe he says the only time, kids, that you can use a computer is when mom or dad is in the room with you. Like, like that's the type of, of material protecting I'm talking about. What are some other examples? <clears throat> video games. Huh? Violent video games. How about video games, period? <laughs> I mean, video games are a killer for men right now. I wouldn't even say men, for boys right now. They're a killer. Violent ones especially. I mean, I remember the first time that, did they still make the game Grand Theft Auto? The first time I played that, like something, it was in college, and first of all, you could kill a cop, I was amazed at that. You could also uh, have sex with a prostitute, and then kill her afterwards. Like, I mean, it was insane. And I'm like, this is, this game is crazy. Like, what happened to Donkey Kong? <laughs> Seriously. So, yeah, I mean, like, video games, violence in video games. You know, and how does, how does a father do that? How does a father protect material in the area of video games? What's he do? Yeah, it doesn't give him, the, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't give him it. the damn game. I don't know if I've ever told you this story about, uh, one of my favorite stories about this was, um, it's just a beautiful understanding of father being a protector. It was uh, Jerome Richter, you know, he works out here. <clears throat> his son, Adam, was at a wrestling match. Did I tell you this story about the video games? So his son, they, they gave away a weed at this game, and, and everybody, he got, you know, he took, he took his dollar from his piggy bank and bought a ticket. He ends up winning. <clears throat> there were like 300 people at this wrestling match, and uh, he ends up weighing the weed. And he is so jacked. Because whenever he went to his grandparents, he always, they had a Wii, and he always played there. And he just loved it. So they get home, and, and he's like, yeah, I've got a Wii. And Jerry's like, wow, that's awesome, I'm Like, I'm I'm so proud of you. Like, that's great. And he's, he goes to open. He's like, are you sure you want to open that? He's like, what do you mean? He's like, wow, you know, I mean, that video game system costs quite a bit. He's like, we could return it, and then we can take that money and invest it in the bank couple years you could buy yourself a rifle he's like (laughs) (laughs) and you could just like the kid is torn internally and he's like and he's like Jerry's like well you know grandpa and grandma have a wee right he's like yeah he's like how much fun is it when you go over there he's like oh it's awesome he's like well think about if you have one all the time how much fun is it going to be at grandpa and grandma's he's like yeah Let's sell it. <laughs> so they end up taking it back. And, you know, I think it was like, I don't know, how much does a week cost? Like 200 bucks back in the day when it first came out. Whatever, anyway, 200 bucks. So you take it and they, like, put it into a bank, a savings account. Then Jerry's like, I knew that this thing was going to make, like, two bucks, <laughs> you know, over the next two years. But when I got it out, he's like, uh, he's like, all right, Adam, you ate, you ate a little, but I'm so proud of you because of what you did. I'm going to pay the rest. And he's like, oh. So they go and get this gun that he can't even shoot. That's the one I was telling you I hunt with. You know, <laughs> I hunt with for like three years. But just like you see all that, the, the the whole progression of it. So now he has that gun. And in the back of Jerry's mind, this is a man who's, who's thinking as a father. He can't use it for three years. Father Waltz is an idiot, doesn't know how to hunt, needs a gun. How cool would it be if my son gave his gun to a priest when the priest asked him for it? You know it All is just building and building and building. Like that's strong fatherhood. That's a masculine fatherhood and that's protecting the kid. Give me some other ways. I'm, this stuff is fascinating to me. Hmm? I just think it's kind of funny that kid could have played like a violent video game but he sold the game system and bought a gun. Well it's not like he's gonna go kill cops. <laughs> no I know but I mean it's <clears throat> funny that that's how that's, that's very true. Right. <coughs> he's gonna go hunt. Do something very human. That's the thing, too. I think hunting is very human. I'm partial to it. I mean, maybe you don't like hunting. That's fine. I think there's something about that, you know, like, wringing a pheasant's neck, gutting a deer, getting your hands bloody, cutting its, its windpipe. Huh? It's realistic. It's not like a... Well, that and it's like, like, I mean, you, you realize the difference between animal life and human life, you know? I, I blame Disney for all that crap. <laughs> you know, talking Bambi, and you know, we can't shoot deer. Like freaking deer top. <clears throat> anyway, side note, don't want to get on that track. <laughs> What's another way? You can protect. Not letting them have whatever they want. Good, yeah. I mean, like, you know, a kids like, I, I want this, I want this, I want you well, you can't have it. <clears throat> I mean, I saw this little kid one time, it was the funniest damn I love people watching without like being weird. <clears throat> but like this little kid, he was standing in line. And his sister was with him, and he was a little bit old. You know, he was like, he was, I don't know, like three, four, whatever. And so, like, he, I mean, he's standing before, at the supermarket, and his his mom and the little kid are in line. And like, he's just like at this wall of toys, you know, just like in, tr- in ecstasy. <laughs> <laughs> like he's so much to look at, he didn't know what he wanted. And i a say he's like, and he goes up to his mom, he's like, Can "I have this." She's like, "No, put it back." He's it back and he's like, Can I have it? No, put it back. Put it back. Can I have this? No! And don't ask me again. So he like throws it down, you know. And then the little son of a buck, he goes, his sister's like over at the you know, like the candy spot. And he like grabs her and like pulls her over. And then he picks out the one, and he's like. Did she have this? <laughs> like, Are you kidding me? Like you just used your sister to get a toy. You know, the mom is like, no, you know, and like the kid starts crying and like, but you got to be able to do that. You got to say no, you just can't. And so many parents, I've seen them just give in. They give in all the time. Or one won't, but the other one will. And so the kid just knows how to play the system. So part of protecting is, yeah, not giving your kids. How, do you, how does a man protect his wife? You mean more sometimes. Yeah, you're dang right. Sometimes it's got to be me. And he does it out of love. That's the biggest thing you guys got to remember. Because I think women are like, you're crazy, Father. I'm not that crazy. I'm a little crazy. I'm not that crazy. <laughs> Sometimes you've got to be mean. you got to put your foot down. you got to stand your ground. You do it in love. Okay? So, so how does Joseph do this? How does he protect? Well, he stands by Mary. Right? He's protecting our lady. By saying yes to God's will, he's protecting our lady from death. You know? He protected Mary and Jesus from Herod. Yeah, I'll get to that. This is material. Okay, so you said, I just gave you a few examples about what it looks like. In, but how does Joseph do it? He, he, God bless you. He stands by Mary, protects her from death. He stands by Mary and Jesus protects him from Herod. The massacre of the innocent. Innocence. You know? How about this? How about, how about this, fellas? Honesty. Honesty. You've got to be honest to, to your kids got I don't know if I ever told you guys. You, you would know about it. the story about the train. Did I tell you about the train and the pictures, the senior pictures? So, <clears throat> when, yeah, she was on the trip. It was a, Bishop Ryan, the, the, the girls from Bishop Ryan went on this trip, and they had they had all these pictures, and they were looking through them on. And the train's like a twelve-hour train ride, right? And so, like, I walk by, and they're, like, looking on their laptops, like, ah, that's cute. Ah, that one's cute. That's cute. Ah, that one's so cute, too. You know, like, (laughs) and I'm just, like, shut up. I came up, and I looked at the one they had up, and I'm, like, that's a terrible picture. And, like, this girl, (laughs) damn near, she did she did start crying. Like, teared up, and she was, like, that was the picture I was going to use for my invite for, like, her, her open house for senior year. She did use it. Yeah, she did. But I was, like, I don't care. It's a stupid picture. It's it doesn't. It's not you. You know. It's just like. I mean, it, it was it was beautiful, but it was so unrealistic. I mean, she had like a crown of flowers on, standing underneath the tree in a white dress. You know, I'm, I'm a princess. <laughs> you know. And then like, and I was, and she's like, well, what about this one? I'm like, well, that's stupid too, because she was like laying in this lake, in a dress. I'm like, who does that? Nobody does that. Why are you taking pictures like that? Another one was like coming up out of the water, splashing. I'm like, that is these are stupid pictures. And then it got to this one where she was like kind of like leaning back against this brick wall, you know, a pair of jeans, and a nice shirt. And I'm like, that's a good picture. I was like, that captures your natural beauty, who you are, your personality. Like, that's a good picture. And she's like, finally. You know, like, it, and I'm like, whatever. I'm just trying to be honest. So I'm like, so I go and sit down. All of a sudden, this other girl's like, Hey, Father, can you, will you look at my pictures? And I'm like, oh, like this is a trap. <laughs> but she's like, no, seriously, I want you to look at it. And I'm like, that one's terrible. That one's terrible. You know, like, but I, I didn't do it to be mean. I was just like, I don't like these pictures. These are not good pictures. And one, one of the girls shaved off her hair to give it to like locks of love or whatever. Yeah. And I, and I was like, why are you bald? You know, so that one I kind of felt like an idiot. But I was just trying to be truthful, right? And then at the, But the coolest part was this. This is what it hit home for me. I was not trying to be mean. I was just trying to, I was like, I just wanted to have the best picture. I really did. And uh, so I sit down after going through, I don't know, two or three sets of pictures and getting berated and hated by women. <laughs> and I'm sitting in my chair and all of a sudden one of the girls is like, father. And I like turn around, I'm like, what? She's holding her laptop. She's like, the one on the left or the one on the right? And I'm like, really? And she's like, I know you'll tell me the truth. And I was like, holy. You guys. And like the same one you called both, like after she was e- Right. Everything came together. It all made sense to me. The reason why guys, why, why marriages fail is because guys give up. They give up. They won't tell their wife the truth because they're sick of hearing the arguments and the fights. And they're like, okay, just do whatever the hell you want. Go. Shop, I don't care. Just freaking leave me alone. But what it was is I suffered through hurting these girls' feelings, not on purpose, but because I just wanted to be honest. And in the end, guess what happened? They gained respect for me because they knew I wouldn't lie. I would tell them the truth about the picture. I'm telling you, man, I'm convinced this. Honesty is huge, right? Anyway. Next, so, so, so that's, that's the, the, the material sense of protecting. What about the spiritual sense of protecting? How does a father spiritually protect his children, spiritually protect his wife? What does that mean? What does that mean? Okay, I keep thinking. Anybody else? Keep builds up there. Spiritual life, I guess. How? Praying with them. Good. Praying with them. Bringing them to Mass. Taking them to Mass. Confession. Confession. Adoration. Adoration. Sure. I mean, like, all these things. But a man can't do that. He can't provide spiritually if he isn't doing it himself. You know, I'm always, I'm always amazed that when people, and I think I told you this before, in marriage prep, they're like, do you go to Mass? No, but when we have kids, we're going to, because it's really important for them. That is not really important for you. So apparently it's really important for children, but it's not important for growing ups. You know, like you think that you're, you're going to miss mass all this time. And as soon as you have kids, you're just going to take them. That ain't going to happen. We are creatures of habit. Now you have got to build the habits now. You've know, like you got to learn how to pray with your kids. But And the way you would do that is by praying with your friends, praying with your, 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 your girlfriend, your boyfriend. And you're like, Father, that's weird. It doesn't have to be weird. I'm not saying like you have to like, hold each other and you know make up sporadic prayers about how you want them to be in heaven with Jesus. You know, I mean, it, it, just go and pray a decade of the rosary together. <clears throat> and your intention before each one. Jesus, I want to be a good man. I want to treat my girlfriend with the utmost respect. Give me the courage to be the man you want me to be. And the woman says, help me to be encouraging to him. To never be a temptation to him. To respect my body and to respect his. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Like, it doesn't have to be intense. <clears throat> now, once you start doing that, it will grow. It will grow. Okay? What else? Hey, give me any other ex- examples you can think of spiritual protection. <clears throat> Praying for them. Huh? Pray for yeah, them? praying for them, fasting for them. You know, like fasting is just a lost art, man. It's a lost art. That's why I love Lent, because it, like, forces me to fast. It's like the church saying, if you're that pathetic, at least do this. <laughs> <laughs> you should be doing it, like, every week, but if you can't, at least do for these 40 days a couple times a week, right? So, yeah. Okay, good. So, two, provider. <clears throat> Spiritual providing and material providing. How do you, how does a man do that? Give me some material providing. I mean the obvious one. House. yeah, house. Putting a roof over their head. You know, what else? Food. <laughs> food, yes, yes, food. He has to provide food. Education. Education. We said that. Good, education, that's huge. And, 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 a, and a spirit, a, a, a father that's, that's living fatherhood as a Christian, he's, what's his primary goal in education? Thank you. Is it faith-based? Is it Christ-based? That's really, that should be really important for a father. And he should be willing, if he doesn't have enough money to send his kid to private education, it's a good private school that is Christ-centered and faith-based, he should be willing to give up something so that they can go there. You know what? I can't go fishing anymore, Bob. (coughs) Why, John? Because, Bob, I had to sell my boat. Why did you do such a foolish thing? Because I want my kids to have Catholic education. And Bob hangs his head, and walks away. Because that's a hell of a man. Where's your ice house? I sold it. Why? Second kid had to go to Catholic education. (laughs) Where's your pontoon? Gone. What happened to your cabin? Sold it. John, you're selling everything. Yeah, I'm doing it for my kids, because I love them and I have to provide for them, spiritually and materially, Okay. You know, like, and, and again, so how do you how do you provide for them spiritually? Again, these are, these are some of these kind of overlap, right? How do you provide spiritually? <clears throat> giving them the materials. What's that? Like giving them a Bible. Right, I would even say more. That's a good start. Yeah, giving a Bible. But like teaching them how to read it. Mm -hmm. Having your little kid sit on your lap and reading them stories about the Bible and then explaining those stories to them is a good father. Spending time with them. Teaching them what a novena is. Teaching them what, like, why we don't eat meat today. You know, and half the problem is, is, is most men's faith education is like arrested at a second grader. So when their second grader comes home, he's like, why well, don't we eat meat today? And he's like, uh, because uh, we're out. <laughs> you, know? you know, the church says when you're out of meat, you should eat, what did they say in school, fish? Yeah, well, fish, we got fish. I caught a lot of walleye last week. You know? So like they don't know how to explain half these things. You got to know your face can explain it to the kid. And that's your job. This is not something that's like fun and hey, you know. This is a little add-on bonus to fatherhood. No, it's your job. You are called to this. It is your vocation. Vocatio means to be called. Your calling is to procreate and educate and to love and provide and protect and nourish and sustain life. That's a hell of a job, folks. Okay. How do you provide material, spiritual? Good. Okay. <clears throat> Chase Lover. Again, too, in providing and protecting, Joseph especially demonstrates how to be a man who puts others' needs before his own. Okay, and in this providing and protecting, it leads to Chase Lover. This is this. His life shows us that the full gift of self toward another. Okay, the gift of self toward another does not have to be sexual. To be profound. The full gift of self toward another does not have to be sexual. To be profound. <clears throat> and quite honestly, you guys, I think, I think that Joseph is, because he's so hidden all the time. I think he's our hidden saint to the homosexual community. I really do. Because, you know, the, the, the anthem is, is that we deserve to, to love. And we would say, look at St. Joseph. He loved. Was he a lover? Was he a profound lover? Was he one of the greatest lovers to ever live? Yeah. Did he ever have sex? No. That should teach us something. He's the chaste lover. Okay? And then I'll put this down, too. Both Mary and Joseph... Follow God before each other. And then also I, I would say this we see We see divine love in Joseph's choice. bullet underneath there. We see divine love in Joseph's choice. He loves Mary for herself. And that God's will is fulfilled in her. That's all Joseph cares about. He's loving Mary for herself. And that God fulfills his will in her. Okay? <clears throat> Chastity is a virtue, you guys. It helps a person to have self mastery, to control one's desires, one's impulses. And that way you can freely give of yourself to another. You know, there's no strings attached in the chaste lover. They're not expecting anything from you. They're just loving you for you. And there's this beautiful line. Uh, It's not beautiful. It's kind of crazy, but you might want to write this down. Chastity is what allows a man. Chastity is what allows a man to be a protector of women. Chastity is what allows a man to be a protector of women rather than a predator. Okay? Next, three, model of obedience. Obedient servant. Again, I think underneath here you can just just put down Joseph's dreams. (laughs) Because. I mean, the guy was so dang obedient. He could have easily dismissed the dreams as just dreams. I don't really got to do These are freaking dreams. But he is so prone to hear God's word because he has been obedient his entire life that he is able to discern God's (coughs) voice. Like, you guys, obedience is a virtue that we've just lost. We've lost it. Like, obedience, if you say obedience, you think of something terrible. You know, for for a priest, you know, I don't know if you know this, but the black we wear, you know what that symbolizes? Death to to ourselves and to the world. The white. Purity, Yep. And, and the collar. Now, now, I'm not wearing the Roman collar, but if you wear the Roman collar, it's an actual collar you put around your neck. Buttons in the back, snaps in the front. What does the collar symbolize? Obedience. Obedience. It's not saying that we're dogs. <laughs> it's saying that we're trusting that the one is, who is leading us is worthy to follow. I mean, people say they're like, Father, isn't it, you know, when they talk to me, they're like, isn't it hard, you know, being obedient to the bishop? I'm like, No. Like, I mean, sometimes it is because, you know, I just, my will doesn't line up with his. But, like, all my choices are made. It's really nice. You know, like, why well, they said, how long are you going to be vocation director? I'm like, as long as the bishop wants me to be vocation director. Well, don't you want to be a pastor? Sure. Don't you want to quit traveling and just be stationary and be in a parish? Yeah, I really do. But because I believe God speaks through the bishop, That even though I don't like this sometimes, I do it because this is what God wants me to do. But we we see like obedience is this huge chain that like takes away our pleasure and our fun and freaking everything. Obedience is a huge, huge gift, you guys. Okay? All right. And then fourth, St. Joseph the worker. All right. What did I call the fourth one? Strong leader. Yeah. And he leads through work. work and his leadership coincide. And I think it's really important that St. Joseph teaches us in regards to work specifically. Some of you mentioned this when you were going around the room talking. Like, you know how how he poured himself into work. You can put this down. St. Joseph teaches us to not only see the, the material aspect of work. He teaches us to not only see the material aspect of work. But he also teaches us to understand the greatness of our work in the eyes of God. But he also teaches us to understand the greatness of our work in the eyes of God. And then this this final point. Work is a means of sanctification. Not self-glorification. Your work is meant to make you holy. Work is a means of sanctification, not self-glorification. I mean, Joseph, like his work, he never bragged about his work, you know, as far as we know. And one of the things that strikes me about Joseph, in his work, in his leadership, being the strong leader of his family, telling him to go all these different places, when he feels totally inadequate, totally inept, totally in the dark. He just lives by faith. This is the miracle to me. Joseph never saw not even one miracle of Jesus. We know that because he's dead by the time time Jesus starts his public ministry. He never saw one miracle. You know, like, why do you do your work? I'll tell you why I do my work. You know, sometimes, and I'll be honest, sometimes my ego gets in the way and there is some self-glorification. I'm not going to lie. But, like, the, the, the base of why I became a priest and why I do this work is for, I want to be holy and I want other people to be holy. And there is so much of the priesthood, and I'm not, this isn't me on my soapbox. There's so much of the priesthood that is unnoticed. There's so much that people, you guys have no freaking clue what we go through. And you know what? I bet a father would say the same thing. A good father would say the same thing to me. Father, you have no clue what we go through. It's so unseen. But we would agree together that it is all about sacrifice and sanctification and not making people see how great we are. And that's why, you guys, the sooner we learn this, the better your marriages will be. Because everybody in the modern day and age is about me and my self-glorification and i got to be so important and so popular and so amazing. And then when you get married, that's your, that's your habitual behavior. And then when you get married, what, are you just supposed to flip a switch and become this humble servant that has never noticed? No, this is why you hear, like, you know, you hear this all the time in marriage counseling. The woman's like, he never appreciates anything I do. You know, and he's like, she just nags and nags and nags. I'm like, you guys have no clue what love is. None. Is it hard? Yeah. Does it suck? Yeah. Is it worth it? Absolutely. And the sooner you start living it, the more beautiful your your lives further on will be. You know, and I thank God in his wisdom, this is why he made kids come out as babies. Not as like teenagers. He made them come out as babies because what do you have to decide once you have a baby? My life is over. My life is over. And that's why you hear people and they're like, we have two kids. And I'm like, oh, that is awesome. You guys keep going. They're like, no, we're done. And I'm like, you selfish bastards. I've never said that, but I wanted to. No, but seriously. Why don't you want any more kids? Well, we don't have any time of our own. What did you think marriage was? (laughs) Did you think it was just like taking gratuitous vacations all the time, drinking really good wine and having sex, and like growing old together? That's not what marriage is. It's never been about that. It's been about self-sacrifice and the procreation and education of children and the unification and the procreation of the couple. This is why, you guys, what the church teaches about this stuff, for me, this is why I'm a Catholic. This is why I became a priest. Is because it, it makes so much sense to me. Just look at life. It all falls into place. The lie. You know, I was on this, I was on this retreat once. I can't remember if I told you this or not. It's called, it was an Ignatius silent retreat. It's an eight-day sign of retreat, or a thirty-day sign retreat. One of the points, <coughs> you, uh, you, you, it's called the two standards. You meditate on the two standards: the standard of the devil, the standard of Christ. And then you put yourself. You know, Ignatius was a, was a warrior, and so a standard, you know, is what they held up. And so you, whatever you put yourself behind, whatever standard, that's the one you're going to follow: the one of the devil and the world, or the one of Christ. And I, so you spend an hour on each one. And I'm sitting there and I'm praying over like the devil's standard. I'm like, oh man. I'm like, his standards are freaking great. Like, he's got an awesome sales pitch. Like, do whatever you want. It's all pleasure. You know, it's all about you. Get what you want. Enjoy life. You know, YOLO. <laughs> and and I looked at Jesus's, and I'm like, man, like, give up your life so others can live, sacrifice, suffer. You know, like, and, and I just said it. I was in prayer, and I was like, Jesus, um, no offense, but your sales pitch sucks. Like, I really said that. Like, I love it in my prayer. Like, i just am brutally honest. And the Lord came back, and he said something to me. And I will never forget it. He said, mine isn't a sales pitch. Mine is the truth. His is the sales pitch. And you guys, I, honestly, that it was something. You know, there's been all these moments. You, know, you have, like, this conversion, Everybody's like, I had a conversion. I've had like a thousand. And they just keep happening. <laughs> like I think conversions keep bringing us deeper. And <clears throat> at that moment, the Lord is like, what I'm telling you, you can believe or not believe. But this is who you are. And when I tell you what marriage is, I'm not trying to sell you something. I'm trying to tell you the truth about what it is. His pitch He's trying to sell you something. He's trying to get you to buy into something that's not true. There's a reason Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He meant those things. When he says, I'm the truth, he means, all I can speak to you is truth. The devil, what does he call the devil? The father of lies. He has been a liar and a murderer since the beginning. Anything that does not match what Jesus Christ and his church is saying about everything in the area of faith and morals is a lie. And you can either choose to believe it or you can choose to reject it. But it's up to you. And Joseph teaches us that the truth of masculinity is that we are givers and that we lead by dying. And the more we die, the more our families live. Jesus Himself taught us that you can't escape it in Christianity. In order for there to be life, there must be death, and specifically death of the ego. But again, that's your choice. Okay. Next week, I want you to read uh, this this article by Sarah Swathard. I think it's phenomenal. We will have a quiz, uh, so don't pretend like we won't. Just because I gave you one off doesn't mean I'm going to give you another one off. <laughs> It's going to be on the article. Um, the assign—I don't want you to do the assigned reading of, of "I Believe in Love" for next year. Okay? I'm going to give you a different assigned reading of, of that book on uh, the following week. But I think this is a huge jump into what John Paul II called the feminine genius. So we are shifting now to women, and it is a roller coaster. So get ready. Okay, any questions? So you, you will not have a paper next week, however, don't throw this article away because I'm going, the following week, I'm going to have you read the, the, the I Believe in Love, there'll be a quiz over it, and then I'm going to have you write an article, or, or a paper, on either one of those, okay, you write on either one of them, so don't throw that away, you won't have a paper due next week, but the following week, it will be on either one of the, the reading assignments. So don't- Don't read I Believe in Love.